Hi, welcome to 10 CDs for a Penny, the show where we talk about old music magazines, culture and trends. I'm Jackson Maine and joining me this week is John Waller, of course. And for the first time, my friend Noyan Hilmi is going to be joining us. Noyan's worked in the music industry for the past 20 years in various roles, so he's got lots to say about the September 1997 Spin Magazine cover story on The Prodigy. And because everybody wants to hear more about this band, we're going to be talking about Hanson, their crushing success because for some reason Spin Magazine decided to do a story on them. But we're also going to talk about all the summer music fest that happened in 1997. So stick around and uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into Spin Magazine September 1997. This magazine looks incredibly 1997. Um, Everything about it has that kind of urban streetwear, skate, rave kind of vibe to it. Like you're not exactly a raver, but you're you're getting there with all the ads. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I looked like kind of like these people in 1997. I that was there was a big there was there was a fine line between raver and skateboarder. I see an ad for a mini disc, which I didn't own, but my buddy Mike did. He was always up on the like the new gadgetry crap. I never thought it would fly, and it didn't really, but it did sound good. It was fun to play around with, and you could record shows with it. Yeah, I bought one way later. Yeah, like after they were cool. What for? I used it to record some of my band's own shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I never was in the mini disc world where it's like you're buying like a group you like and listening to it. Yeah, you know. Okay. I think these magazines, probably from like 1990 through at least 97, I'd almost bet on 99, probably each issue had an ad for a mini disc player. Yeah. Sony uh, was just throwing money at... uh, Yeah. They pioneered like a lot of stuff, so I'm not surprised. But I know I'd say like a high percentage of the ads are mostly cigarettes and booze. Yeah, right? we brought that up in the last episode. That, I, and I and I actually again haven't fact checked this, you know, and I should have. But do they have that? Is there any alcohol or I think cigarette advertising? I think there if you're looking at the right mags, I think you will still see alcohol advertised. Right. If you're looking at the right publications, but just crazy to me, like looking back on it, that you know, I owned a lot of these magazines too, and I don't think I noticed how much of it was cigarettes and advertise uh, cigarettes alcohol yeah um these are <laughs> these you are know teenagers yeah th- like, <laughs> it was just riddled with you know, cigarettes and alcohol advertising totally yeah you don't see i don't think you see this too much but you know i i bet you vaping ads are massive yeah. right now you know <laughs> which is like you know, some someone sent me a picture. Of, they were like, "Oh, oh yeah, th- you look just like this guy in this this like some singer songwriter from like the '60s, and he's like smoking like a cigarette, and he looks really badass." And I was like, "If it was me, and I took this right now, and I don't smoke or vape, but in this era, I'd be vaping, yeah. and no one would look nearly as cool as they did back then, which is po- possibly the only positive thing about smoking." Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the right? fu- the, and the future is now too. Can you imagine people look? This is this is the <laughs> this is like what it would have been like in hackers when they were looking into the future. There's people like smoking electronic cigarettes. Totally. Now. 
it's it's like great but lame. <laughs> Here, John, you can look through this if you want. I'm gonna put up nothing. So yeah, this one was uh, this issue was a tough one for me. Yeah, let's talk about yeah September ninety seven. I mean, by this time, like Pavement was my favorite band. I was definitely like more into sort of indie rock and mainstream music kind of left me behind and you know i you know you sent us this this issue to kind of familiarize um us ourselves with twice i got halfway through it and was like i can't do this yeah I know. <laughs> like um uh and it was and as you say it was it's just everything the ads but it is uh, look one of the things i did find interesting about it though was that it really was kind of a like it seems like a turn in that there's almost very few white male rock bands in this issue yeah and how, it, how many rock bands are actually in the issue the, i feel like this single issue is like a black hole is one of the worst issues of the year <laughs> honestly like i i looked through it pretty well, thoroughly and it was this is one of the worst magazines lead, i probably ever looked okay at. and and i don't and i don't say this to knock on this artist but their lead review is corner shop yeah right which <laughs> were decent yeah but so, they're also not they were around for a very short period of they're, time. They're, 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 they're a legit of, one hit wonder in yeah. North America. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then when you add on the fact that it's like. Great song. That single song is, is really great. Yeah. I liked it. I, I it really, really like it catchy. too. I can still listen to it today. Great mix. Great arrangement. Awesome. The cover artist is Prodigy. Now, uh -huh. Prodigy, um, I mean, they were huge. Uh-huh. For a moment. Yes, because yeah. how long after this were they? Now, I say this is, once again, Prodigy never did it for me. Mm -hmm. I kind of hated Firestarter. Okay. I, mean, I hate to say it, but... Um, so I never got into them. I got into right. other sort of, you know, after 97, 98, 99, I started to get into other electronica, like, acts. I, always, I never minded the like, Chemical Brothers, and I got into a lot of, like, the Ninja Tunes. Sure. kind of trip hoppy type things right. but um but yeah like prodigy i mean i think i remember them releasing another album after but they didn't last long after i couldn't name after their peak i picked this magazine uh like this specific one because um keith flint died the the lead singer or whatever you want to call it um he died a few weeks ago so that's why i want to bring this up because it's kind of a like current topic but um, you know, like of his, of his passing, uh, but this band, when you look that look them up, so the whole thing we're talking about right now, it's like you know, there's not a lot of bands uh, in this issue. There is Prodigy. Prodigy was pretty momentary, and when I looked them up, I mean, they had Firestarter, which was just like the single before this. They had had their other thing, Voodoo People. They had pretty much two hits before this record. Then, like, a whole slew of time leading up to this one, they made it. And then when you look in, like, this, uh, like the article interview, they're really stressing the point that they kind of had to be a band. 
and this is the moment in time when like we're we're transitioning out of bands and band culture sort of and like the whole alt rock thing was getting pretty dead and pretty like beaten into the ground like grunge had already happened we'd have like the post grunge thing now we're getting into electronica but everybody's still not ready to like accept electronic acts you still have to have a band show up you can't just have a dj which is what we have now festivals are just completely full of djs so they really stress in this that like they still had to be a band i think in this thing you know, there's pretty much two guys in this act in Prodigy who are really making the music. Keith Flint was kind of like, they all kind of took turns. Keith Flint ended up being kind of the default singer sometimes. Sometimes the other guy was uh, Leroy or Liam. And then one guy was just a dancer. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, the one guy that you see in the Breathe video and the other videos, he was just a dancer. But he so was he damn just, good, wasn't he? just, he? you know, followed in that Happy Mondays uh, <laughs> trend of just get a, get a guy to dance for you, I guess. <laughs> and that kind of filled up this band dynamic that they had to have four guys in the band. Well, yeah, the article talks about how they were trying to prove themselves as a band and take it to the next level, right? Like sure. they were all like annoyed that they were in Atlanta and um, the sound system wasn't up to snuff. Like right. the venue had set everything up according to how they were on the last tour and now they, you know, were bigger. They had a lot more going on and uh-huh. they're all annoyed at that. So I think that they were putting like a really concerted effort as to what they wanted to, how do they wanted to present themselves now? Yeah. Um, so I totally think I agree. Like they're like a foursome. They were way more stylized, mm-hmm. I think, than they were previously as well. Um, which is really funny because sure. every, anything they say outside of, um, their band, like talking about the, they, they kind of hate on their label uh-huh. in the article. They, they hate on everybody. Yeah, they're being the, the same. You know what I mean? They're being yeah. snotty Brits. Uh, but at it. the same time, they're like, they seem that they're being very strategic about what they're doing too. But, right? but this was for Fat of the Land, yes. which was Firestarter. Yes, it was. So Firestarter had come out, but it had come out, like this, this album came out in the, this summer, essentially, uh, 97. But Firestarter came out, I feel like a year before. Oh, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Released, and like they, uh, it was released March '96. So that's why I was saying it. It seemed like you know they were kind of like releasing singles, like building up to like a real record. I think they would had pretty much two records before this. Um, but I think they were big in England. Like they were big in like the right, electronic yeah. scene. Uh, and this is also the moment when this whole kind of rave buildup, like popularity of rave was coming to yeah. North America and it had already been well-established in Britain. Like that's what they were into then. Mm-hmm. We were into Nirvana and then getting into other things. Yeah. Um, no, like you said, like post-grunge had happened. I think that in terms of rock, this is clearly before like new metal and any right. of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. It was just Well, before that space. got big because yeah. like... Before um, it got big, yeah. This is yeah, a transitionary I mean, Korn period. was around. Like, I remember people, like, the Corn um, fans existed at this point, oh, which is sort absolutely. of a simplistic way of saying it, but they hadn't gone. It hadn't become trendy it, Was yet. Follow the Leader, like, the big album for That was like, after this. Life is Peachy was right now. Yeah. Like, sorry, right now is in 97. So, like, that was all lumped together. There was Marilyn Manson was huge. Um... And the kind of the little brother was corn at this point, and we had the we had the prodigy. <laughs> well, it's funny. <laughs> like I listened to some of this stuff too. You know, like you 
put a sweet little playlist together. Yeah. And the stuff that I enjoyed the most, which was shocking, was probably Corn and Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Like, I feel like the fidelity of those songs actually kind of came through a little bit better. Right. And some of the other stuff was, I wanted to skip so bad. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, yeah. like, there was, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this isn't, you know, untypical. I mean, ever, there's always like a, ton of genres out there like in any era and like you pick your one but this one was you know when i was looking through like what they presented in this magazine they had you know prodigy was obviously like you know the big cover story but yeah they had corn in here they had uh like you know puff daddy these type of things Goth like, culture yeah like you yeah. know and i mean we're talking about like new metal like you know they saying you know corn is new metal new metal wasn't a term yet no. Like, New Metal didn't have a name yet. Like, Corn was getting lumped in with Marilyn Manson. Right. It wasn't really like White a zombie. popular, like, a genre yet. Right. You know, hadn't been labeled, like no. you're saying. You know, so that's it what I'm saying. It's like a transitionary years. period where it was like this break where rock hadn't really figured out what it was doing in terms of, like, something that major labels could really push. Yeah. Uh, but also about Prodigy. Uh, getting back to them is we were saying that they kind of built up this career and they got big in the States and they did the father land. They put out this record. They put out, um, yeah. Firestarter the year before, which was their single, then made this record, then put out breathe. And that was it. Like they had this massive flare up and, don't forget smack my bitch up. Oh right. God. Yeah. I couldn't forget that, but which has it, an right? incredible video, really good video. Um, I do appreciate that in this issue they talk about that just being like why would you like they have a couple of paragraphs in the article being like why would you name a song smack my bitch up and they're like well you know they're just talking about like you know when he's laying down a new track like he's smacking his bitch up yeah yeah and people would say like it was about like heroin and things like that but we all know why you named that because it's a controversial name and everybody will talk about it (laughs) i mean this was a yeah it was a sample from cool keith yeah i think so yeah yeah so i mean yeah we're in the era of marilyn manson too you know just like lots of lots of shocking things i mean that's nothing new to music you want to be shocking um but yeah then they just they went away like they had all this momentum going for them and they went away until the 2000s when they were just that was that was it for them. They they obviously burnt out. Now did did they legit go away or did they disappear from North America as like radio wouldn't pick up any of their singles? I looked you know them what I mean? up. Their next record was in the 2000s. So yeah, this, I yeah. mean, um, always outnumbered, never uh, never outgunned. August 2004. Yeah, we went from 1997 to 2004. You know, they really need to work on that that next, uh, that record, that follow-up, you know? Yeah, but by this point, yeah, what was everybody listening to? The Vines, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Prodigy, was, Prodigy was done. Gotta get free. It's too bad. Um, See, now I actually feel fun. quite a little silly because they, uh, you know, they never actually went away. I mean, yeah. they, their last album came out this past November. Sure. Yeah, but when you put out a record every eight years. Like, <laughs> well, but after 2004, I mean? they had a couple, I think. It was like 2004, 2009, 2000, uh, 2015, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I have but no idea. I have, I, like, we're reading that, but yeah. I wasn't paying attention to any of that. 
Well, no, I have absolutely no clue, and I haven't paid attention since 1997. Right. But yeah, I know those three songs. I just want to say too about that that song "Breathe." That was the song of the summer, like, and that's a big deal to have like the song of the summer that is just on everything. That was on Much Music, 24 hours a day. Everybody bought that record. It was every crappy little party I went to. That's an accomplishment, I want to say. Like, not just being a one-hitter, but having the song of the summer, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, I think that they put out three really big singles, you know, and they made their mark, but I don't know. They disappeared. Sure. That's it. You know, which is respectable in some ways. That's a very punk Absolutely. thing to do, too, right? Yeah. And they, yeah, you, you bring up the thing punk. They're really pushing the... We got to be like the punk electronic act, like in this totally. article. That was what they were going for with his yeah. with his with his look too. They're totally a fusion. Yeah. Without saying it. Yeah. You know? It's just scream like <laughs> this entire thing. Like, there's no, there's no lyrics. It's them saying like a, a few phrases through every song. It's an electro act with going, come play yeah. my game. <laughs> like that's the whole song. Yeah, they had good good beats. You know, yeah. like it had enough going on that I think that you could be repetitive. No one was listening to it for lyrics. It was just aggression, you yeah. know? You're right. That's all I could do about Prodigy. Yeah, I mean, like, good. that's <laughs> like they're the cover story. I, honestly, I think like we've talk about I've them, never talked about Prodigy this much. No, this so is as much as this I is, this is, probably could. This have. is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, R.I.P. I was looking at, like, so the the issue itself, as I was saying, I felt like if I judged the whole year based on this issue as to what was actually happening in 1997, I would be like, wow, I, I think I hated music yeah. in this year because there, there is Hanson. Prodigy like, was cool. I never bought their record. I, I, mean, yeah. I, like, I knew the songs, and I was like, that was happening, and it was cool if it was on. Um, but nothing else in that issue actually was something that spoke to me no in any sort of way so i actually had to dig and see what other records came out in 1997 that i actually bought and i actually cared about yeah you know so there was like you know like okay computer by radiohead or there was you know like let me just see here i made a little list because i can't remember anything ben folds whatever and ever amen um verve urban hymns like that kind of stuff you know like pure alt so it's it's a it's a really valid thing to say that yeah like we look at this issue and it was a pretty sad issue and I <laughs> and I and I picked it literally just because it's of perfect. the death of, of Keith and I thought we should talk about it but 1997 was actually a very good year for music this issue does not illustrate that at all totally and I mean I always have the debate you know a lot of people say that 1997 was the best year of the 90s there's a I think there's a lot of people who will say that. I, my, uh, I, I, John's looking at me going like, really? But I mean, I've seen that a lot on like Pitchfork and things like that. People making an argument for like 1997 being this landmark year for, for, uh, for music. My personal favorite is 1994. And I'd love to do a, just uh, a whole, I mean, I'd love to do an episode comparing the two, but that's another episode. Yeah. I, I feel like I could write like, uh, a series of novels on 94 versus 97, <laughs> yeah, you know, me like too. I think maybe 97, like just on the strength, like in terms of mainstream Radiohead, Bjork, 
that kind of stuff was really maybe why journalists are saying 97 was really important because yeah. they put out um, really big game-changing records in terms of what they were doing at that time. But yeah, for sure. Um, other artists, Blur put out a good record. Yep. Um, Foo Fighters put out a great rock record. Yep. You their, know, and I know that, that you their, guys that talked about that before. Exactly, which was, to me, probably one of my favorite records around that time too. So Yeah, people love that record. But yeah, uh, none of it was happening in September 1997. No. It's been apparently. <laughs> well, they have a reference to Bjork about to release Homogenic. Oh, yeah? yeah. I yeah. missed There's that. a small little sidebar. Yeah. I threw Tiny. That, I threw that on the Tiny playlist. little sidebar. That she, yeah, for like, I put a bachelorette on the. Well, uh, the I think I'm going to seg- I think I'm going to jump into this festival thing. Because okay. We're talking let's let's talk about on. that. Because that's actually what's the most interesting thing in this issue is the festival. That was the best section by I far. Know. So we've got. Lollapalooza in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I don't know if this is the... Um, we've got Porno for Pyros, obviously. Yes. But, so this is actually really interesting when you go through and look at this because this was the last Lollapalooza of the 90s. Oh. And you can really see why. I think they're trying to compete. Um, and Lollapalooza was always, yeah, like pretty alternative this year they were trying to you know i think there was already like kind of a metal thing happening so they were trying to go the route of maybe getting a little more djs and stuff like that and people just did not respond to it and this review of it is pretty sad people were like the reviewer kind of just you know dumps on it what are you looking at john i so uh, apparently corn was on this tour or at least on this show and the like one sentence describing them is incomprehensible. <laughs> like um, they're incomprehensible or the sentences? The sentences. Ah. The sentences. I'm not even gonna say I don't even know what to say about this. Can you okay. Just read it, maybe read Corn Okay, Corn finished their set with uh, a song that is a homophobic slur, but it's spelled differently. Okay. Oh, now I read that part. Oh, it's right, yeah. Th- and then the writer says a woman, a quote, woman is the N-word of the world anthem. Now I'm saying Which N-word. Which is a reference to the John Lennon song. Okay, okay. Yeah. For, okay, and it says, for straight white outcast boys that brings the crisis of identity politics, or is it just the politics of identity crises to a new level of incomprehensibility? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, number one, I know exactly what they're referencing there. They are referencing the song Fagot. Now, they, the whole, I, I just happened to know this because I liked corn when I was 17. So, yes, it's spelled wrong. Number one, he wrote that song because that's what jocks called him in high school. And he spelled it the wrong way because he was pointing out their ignorance that they couldn't even actually mm. spell it the correct way. So again, it's always yeah. I figured so. Like I didn't actually think. Yeah, but it's no, I know. It's it's kind of well. I mean, not that I want to get too side to create too much of a sidebar, but go ahead. It's a very interesting sentence because it's. I mean, seeing identity politics, which is like a very hotly debated topic now, right? Kind of mentioned in reference to, you know, these particular sort of corn song, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it's kind of in a reference to, you know, outcast 
as they say here, like straight white outcast boys. Yeah. Which now straight nowadays straight white outcast boys are the ones decrying identity politics. Right, of course. But that's a whole other conversation. Um But it's worth noting. So yeah, so we've got Lollapalooza and, you know, uh there's Tricky mm-hmm. Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Is it is, 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 or, is the orb on here too? I'm pretty sure. Orbital. Orbital. Uh, eels. Okay. Um, and tool. Yeah, I mean, I. They don't really have a full thing, they but the very next page, without going just too deep into that, the very next sure. page is Lilith Fair. I know. And I assume it sounds like that is the '97. That's the first Lilith yeah, Fair it tour. Is. Yeah. Um. And then after Lilith Fair, uh huh. Tibetan Freedom Festival. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going past the ads. <laughs> There's a lot of ads There's in this. There's a lot issue. of ads. And they're all baggy jeans, cigarettes, yeah. and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tibet, yeah, Tibetan Freedom Concert, which is interesting because it mentions a lot of the bands and artists that we otherwise felt were kind of missing from this. Yeah. Sort of, right? Like there is Radiohead and there's Sonic Youth and. Um, you know, pavement a reference. I don't know if they make it appear. Foo Fighters. Yes. Uh even Bono's here. Yeah, of course he is. It's um a, it's a social cause festival. Bono has to show up. But they do kind of knock it. I mean the writer kind of wonders whether or not it's like means anything. Yeah. Which okay. you know. And then so right after the write up on that, then we're into Ozfest. Yes. So this is great. So John's pretty much listed off these four tours that happened. Lollapalooza is on its decline. I mean, it was the dominating amazing festival of of America, North America. It came to Canada uh, for seven years, six years, 91, I think was the first one. So this is up to 97. Now it's just, it's kind of lost its uh, identity. So we've got, yeah, we've got Tool, we've got... Um, corn uh, on this tour and then we've got yeah like orbital and these other things like it's just kind of doesn't know what it wants to be anymore and it's really struggling to like like fit in with culture but then we've got you I mean we've got these other festivals that pretty much just cater to every other group so whereas Lollapalooza was dominating it had everything you just showed up now you've got Lilith there now you've got this amazing group of like a pretty much acoustic women but it was pretty much an acoustic show Largely, right like, yeah i don't like they didn't yeah. have l7 there's lots something. of bands yeah, and no, stuff there was no was, hole yeah on uh but yeah. it, it, I, <laughs> no. I actually i learned a lot about lilith fair here which was great because it talks about how um sarah mclaughlin organized yeah. Lilith fair. Yeah, like, bravo, she sarah it, like good job um how she had approached a lot of the more aggressive female acts and they all turned her down. Okay. So what they were left with was what you saw where it was like more um, singer-songwriter, solo artist, um, more pleasant-sounding yeah. um, groups. You know, like like you said, there's no L7, there's no Babes in Toyland, there's no, you know, like Bikini Kill or whatever, right? So... Yeah, no, but I mean, they had every great, you know, female artist on this thing. So, I mean, you had, you know, it was like Sarah McLaughlin, Cheryl Crow, Jewel. Jewel was a huge thing this year, too. She's featured in this uh, issue, right? 
Um, so like she was the big deal. Um, Tracy like, Chapman. I yeah. Fiona Apple, Lisa Loeb. I mean, like you got it's every, huge. yeah, it's huge. So it was really an amazing like celebration of all these female artists. And I think this really brought female artists like solo artists into the forefront, like this festival mainly she gathered them all together. Everybody was sort of just coming up and then put this festival on. And, and she talks about how she was trying to, or her and the organizer trying to sell it in cer certain markets. And she was able to organize X number of dates. And then she was declined by many different cities. And yeah. then after she cut it, got it going, then those cities promoters in those cities were coming to her and being like, Hey, we changed our mind. Uh, we want a part of this and which is kind of like showing that talent bookers, promoters in different cities weren't believing in what she was doing. Yeah. And then afterwards she was like, okay, well this is for real. She's got all this talent and they, they changed, they honestly, it's pretty lame. Like yeah. they wouldn't support it before. And then they were like, Hey, we want a piece of this. Yeah, of course. Well, it's you interesting because, or f it's interesting for me because obviously at the time, you know, uh 17 year old is, indie boy like i the lilith fair neat didn't care um, yeah it, sarah mclaughlin i liked but uh um i you know i but looking at it now like looking back at it you know what you're saying about um you know promoters passing on it but then once it got big being like oh you know yeah, totally makes sense at the time, but it almost seems crazy now mm -hmm. because it seems like I know for me, like most of the new artists and bands I've gotten into over the past like four or five years are all like female fronted. Totally, um, totally. Yeah. things. women, like, women in like rock, indie rock are just killing it right yeah, now. Like, absolutely. I'd say like 90% of the acts that I've whatever discovered or that i'm really really into right now mm. are all female fronted i think we're sick of a male voice it was yeah, geez. like Get lost. indie rock with yeah for 50 years of just boy the beatles <laughs> over and <laughs> over again i mean we're, we're everybody's tired of it so like finally, are we i am i want a female voice now that's all are I we on hear. the verge of do you think like lilith fair 2020 can that happen? Why? Because I feel it? like this is I the right so. time, right? This is this is when it can really happen. I think that it would be massive. But it was, I was about to say the same thing. Oh yeah, like that it would be massive. But then part of me is also like, do do we need Lilith Fair now? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I don't mean that as like, you know, oh, do we need, you know women to stand up for themselves now everything's great for them in the music industry yeah, i don't yeah. mean it that way i just mean like you know it makes sense that uh, back in 97 they would have to kind of band together and do a tour specifically for that yeah but like i, I think mean, what's i think there's some there, perspectives that would believe like there's there's been some progress and other perspectives would believe that there's still like a lot more progress to be done so maybe i'd like to think that you know female artists are having an easier time getting booked mm -hmm. and getting crowds than they were 20 years ago i hope so <laughs> that's my i, I mean i so, hope so <laughs> but i so mean much talent, so but i mean at the same time there is so many amazing female fronted acts now that why not have a little affair because it just makes sense right now Let's do that. Let's like bring everybody together to go see all of them. But I think that was my <laughs> counter. Yeah. I think what I was trying to say was 
does it actually make sense if like if now female artists might have more luck you know um getting into festivals being headliners of festivals um on their own right that they don't necessarily need to band together like that like at that time you look at these other festivals um that we've got like Lollapalooza, uh-huh. you know, headlined by men, Ozfest, headlined by men, Tibetan Freedom Concert. I don't even. Yeah, headlined uh, by men. Headlined <laughs> by men. I don't even know if there actually was, if there were any female acts in the Tibetan Freedom Concert. I'm pretty uh, familiar with that concert, and I don't think there is. So, like, um, whereas now. Except I mean, for Bjork. Bjork was there. Oh, yeah. Now, and um, <laughs> off. I mean, I can't think of any festival lineups off the top of my head, but. You know, I I haven't looked at like a Coachella lineup or a Lollapalooza lineup. Yeah, and, you know, and and been like, whoa, that's a lot of dudes. Like it's now very, you know, the average festival is more is split more evenly, right, than it used to be. And I think that's my point of like, do we need a Lilith Fair when it's not as difficult as it used to be for women to get booked on the festival? Yeah, lineups. I know. I don't You're know. You're right. I don't know. I don't know if it's Billboard or Pitchfork or whatever it is, but I know that every year after the festival, the summer festival season, there is like a report that kind of like breaks down um, one the overlap of which artists are on which festivals, but also the gender of which artists are on which festivals as well. And I feel like it has been shifting, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of closer to like maybe like sixty forty male to female or something right okay. now. And I'm saying that without actually checking. Right. But I I think it's kind of moving in that direction, but I don't know if it's quite there yet. Sure. It's it's certainly better than it was in the nineties for sure. And you look down the list of these, yeah, everything we're looking at, Ozfest was that was dude fest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, whatever you want to count Marilyn Manson as. Like Well, but even um, like especially ninety seven Lollapalooza, that's dude fest. Yeah. Everything we've looked at, and then like Fest. Tibetan Freedom Fo- Freedom Concert is, uh, um, sensitive dude fest, uh, sort of, or dude who thinks he can like make a difference in the world. Yes, probably so, uh, just to get chicks. sensitive. Se- no, I'm no, I'm saying sensitive dude fest, as in Adam Yelk from the Beastie Boys, who made the entire festival because he actually cared. And then got a bunch of other people. Yeah, like I'm not talking about the artists themselves. I'm talking about just the crowds that oh, were there. Oh no, there was too. it was Rage Against the Machine, man. I mean, like as much as their message goes out, it was yeah, aggressive dude fest. There. Did, did you guys notice? I, I don't know. If this is obvious, but all the festivals that they mentioned were all artist curated. Like this oh, is yeah. this is Perry Farrell. Uh-huh. This is Sarah McLaughlin. This uh-huh. is. Adam Yauch, this is Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Like, that's, that's to true. me, that's, I feel like there could have potentially been a shift, and I think maybe Perry Farrell kind of started that uh-huh. with the beginning of Lollapalooza, and then yeah. eventually it kind of like, oh, this this makes sense. You know, it's just like all tomorrow parties is happening now, right? Yeah, yeah. So No, that's a really good point. And I mean, I you know, it's funny that when I looked back at this list at how many festivals were happening that summer, I, it really didn't register with me. Like I always think now that there's way too many festivals and not enough headlining shows. And like every year, it's just festivals. You go and see someone for a half an hour. Uh, you never get to see them headline because they all get swallowed up in the festival circuit of the summer. 
But there was a lot of festivals in the 90s. I mean, like, that was festival time, obviously. Lollapalooza, obviously, being the big one. But then this one, like, this summer, yeah, four huge festivals. But and I, I remember the difference was, too, is that a lot of these were touring festivals. Right, yeah. Whereas now it's kind of morphed into, like, destination right. festivals. So the touring festivals, touring festivals would have maybe, like, you know... Uh, I don't know, 20 artists spread over a couple of stages or something, or maybe a dozen at most right. on one stage. But now it's a destination thing with a, with a lineup of 100 acts over three stages in three days. Like The touring festival's dead now, right? Like the Vans Warp Tour's dead. Yeah. You know, like Lollapalooza. Yeah. Like yeah. It's just, it That's just doesn't gone. exist anymore. Yeah. So, you know, you have your... They're all like region specific. It's Coachella, it's Bonnaroo, it's yep. I don't Pitch know, Governor's Fork. Ball, it's Pitchfork. It's you know, everyone's kind of sticking Sasquatch. to what they know. Sasquatch. Yeah. Sasquatch, yeah, that's a good one. Even like uh things like um uh, the one out east. There's a million. Oh my one. god. Like like Sappy Fest? You yes. Mean? Okay. Sappy Fest. Sappy Shout like, out to Sappy Fest. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I have friends yeah. who would murder me if I could forget the name of Sappy Fest. George Street Fest. Festival. Sappy Fest. You know, like East Coast <laughs> represent, right? I don't know. East Coast Canada, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting because you talk about these things and it's like, you know, you can dive. Because I was about to mention, uh, we were to start, start listing things. And, you know, I'm like, oh, the Super Crawl in Hamilton. And when right. I think about that, then it becomes like, well, how many of these things, you know, a few minutes ago I mentioned, or however long ago, I mentioned like uh, destination festivals. And I never really thought before about how many of these things are really built as tourism things. Like, you know, Super Crawl, I grew out of the Hamilton Arts Crawl, right? which is, you know, like a kind of... Um, I'm assuming it's a city-funded kind of cultural event. Sure, yeah. Thing, and it's probably a big tourism thing for mm -hmm. them. And I'm sure, like, Sappy Fest is probably yeah. supported as a tourism thing. I would assume all so. Of I mean, I know people really. who, like, go there specifically for it. But, yeah, like, these all happen, like, very organically. I think Sappy Fest was just born out of the campus radio station putting yeah. on stuff, and then it just grew and grew. I mean, I don't say that cynically. No, no, I know. But just a difference of how... Um, it's gone from like a festival of like, we're going to bring this group of artists to you to sort of, you know, almost tourism incentivized, yeah. like you come to us. Exactly. I mean, didn't they, when they, I, I have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure the first time they tried to do uh revive La Palooza in the early 2000s, I think they tried to tour it and it totally flopped. Like, it completely failed, and I think they almost canceled it. And then that's when they did the the, the Destination one, the next year. Mm -hmm. They did it in Grant Park, Chicago, and then it was huge. It was, like, that was the thing that, like, really brought everything back up. And, um, no, I guess, like, Bonnaroo well, was around I mean, before Co that. Coachella, had flopped, Coachella like, was already going. Sure, it was, yeah. And was already, like, a big thing. It was big, but it wasn't big, big. Like, it was, it was happening, well, like... I, when do you think Coachella got, like, I think the first time I well, thought it was huge was um, 2006 when Rage uh, reunited. Like, that's the first time that was really on my radar, like, oh, man, this is a big fest. And that's when they started doing, they're like, we got to reunite people every year to, hmm. to, uh, to get people here. And then that just kind of organically stopped. And now it's just people buy 
tickets well, now, that yeah, now it then, it, then it became like, really mainstream. Yeah, then it became a yeah. mainstream now they get thing a huge of like, pop pop artists. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of female artists, Ariana Grande is headlining that this year. Right. And it was Beyonce last year. Yeah. But yeah, like it's funny how that's evolved. I mean, this is kind of just a different conversation, but like even Coachella evolving from like, oh, what alternative act is going to reunite and headline it this year? Right. You know, um cuz they had like Pixies one of the sure. first at yeah. the beginning of their reunion and yep. uh, um, I can't remember who else, but who I feel like, like there was some other ones. There was some other big reunite. I mean, like to a lesser extent, like like sort of smaller. Act, they tried to like, get the Smiths to reunite. They try to get them yeah. every year. They're yeah. never gonna well, but that it. was the joke for a long time. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, and, and talking know. heads, right? But they got DFA, Death from Above, to reunite. Oh yeah, but that, that was, was more recent one. though. Yeah, that was pretty recent. Well, no, actually, at this point. God, was that like eight years ago? <laughs> I think it was eight years ago. Five years ago, maybe? I think more than that. I oh saw God. them. I don't know. Yeah. It's been, they, it's, they've been reunited a while. Yeah. When, when I was working um, at a booking agency and I was working with DFA, they, uh, Coachella was probably the last big offer for D- Death From Above. Uh-huh. And they flat out refused it. And wow. Coachella did everything they could possibly do. Because those guys. This is when they were still going? They 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 were basically um they were on like a opening slot for like nine inch nails across the US. Right, yeah, and I remember that. They and you know, at that time they weren't getting along. You know, it was public, they had said they're not sure, getting yeah, along, right? Sure. And then after that tour they were like, We're breaking up and Coachella was like, We want you guys to play. Okay. And uh they kept upping their offer and just did not no change kidding. anything. Wow. Yeah. So Somebody at, in the Coachella camp loves DFA, okay, and they didn't want to let it go. But because I feel like when that is happened, Elliot Lefko, a Canadian, like he well, works for Coachella. I don't, right? Yeah, Elliot's, and he's a really good guy. But uh, I don't know if he was the one pushing for it or not. I don't know because I feel like when that happened, it had been a few years since Coachella had scored a big reunion. Yeah, I think so. Because I think when it happened, one, it was kind of random. It was like, really, yeah. DFA. Those guys just but, decided uh, they, you know, enough time had passed that they didn't hate each other anymore. But it felt like it had been a few years right. since the since the whole Coachella equals reunions joke had died off. Sure, yeah. But they really branded themselves with that, and then everybody sort of just forgot that and just started buying. Well, then it became the hip, cool place exactly. to be. It's so mainstream now, and yeah. honestly, the festival sells out before they even announce an artist. I know. So it's just now it's like the thing who to do. the celebs hanging out and Instagram influencers. It is, and I think oh, that yeah. they they kind of deliver because they 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 oh, get yeah. really big acts, right? So even though it sells out before a lineup is announced, if if every year they stop delivering on it, that's when it will stop selling out. And that's when they'll tank themselves. So, you know, it's it's a weird way to market yourself. Right. It's always after the fact because yeah. it sells out. And now it's two weekends instead of one, which was, I think, only introduced like maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's relatively yeah. recent. So they found a way to kind of double their money. Um, here's a question for you. And not this is this is huge, too. But... Out of all these festivals, how many did you go to? Did you go to Lollapalooza? No. Nope. Lollapalooza ninety five. You, you went to ninety five. Did you? Did either of you? I did. I know the answer to this. Did anybody go to Ozfest? No. 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 I had friends who went to Ozfest and had an amazing time. And at the time, it's one of those things. Like in retrospect, like I wish I'd maybe just done because you kind of get into all those acts a little later. 
and uh, I had absolutely no interest in this music at the time, you know, but uh, Motorhead played. Right. And yeah, I think, I feel like Korn might have been on it or Rob Zombie, and it was Black Sabbath. And at the time, like this whole thing of like metal got kind of satirized and then cool again with like the new like kind of skate punk and like pop punk thing that happened with some 41 sort of promoting it and like Iron Maiden. You wouldn't be caught dead listening to Iron Maiden in the 90s unless you were a metalhead. But now I wish I had gone to that Ozfest just to be it would have been mental right. <laughs> like seeing yeah. the first Black Sabbath uh, reunion tour with Ozzy Osbourne and Motorhead. Oh man, what a crowd that would have been. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, f- I feel like the way that these festivals went, like Lollapalooza started this and they had a great alternative lineup. Right. And then it started just getting fragmented and that's why there was the need for like a Lilith Fair. There was a yeah. need for an Ozfest, which is metal. And then even Lollapalooza itself, when it started kind of like, like weaning off, was fragmented as well, right? Right. Most of the acts that we talked about that were actually on the lineup were metal, hip hop. Yeah. Like it, it was, it wasn't really the alternative yeah. anymore. It and didn't those know. Well, I was trying acts, to suss yeah. out in that article, whether it was 96 or 97, that like Metallica headlined. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this is a festival that went from 95 when I went. It was, uh, uh, let's see if I can remember the whole lineup. Jesus Lizard, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, wow. Um, I think Sinead O'Connor dropped out and they placed her with Elastica, uh, Cypress Hill, Pavement. Hole, uh-huh. and this is all just main stage. Yeah, uh, and then headlined by Sonic Youth. Wow, and you know that was amazing for me. But then, you know, the same festival the next year goes from goes from son- a headliner of Sonic Youth to a headliner of Metallica. Yeah, well, you kind of lose, and I forget who else was. I'm looking at it right now. It's Metallica, Soundgarden, Ramones, Rancid. Screaming Trees, and Psychotica. I always see that when I look it up, Psychotica. I have no idea who Psychotica is. I don't know is. who that is either. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those like super groups or something. Ooh, Beck, that's who I was forgetting from 95. Beck, yeah. But either way, like, oh. you know, okay, 95, right you there. go see uh, Jesus Lizard, Beck, mm-hmm. um, Elastica, Pavement. Sorry, I'm just naming them all again. Yeah, but yeah. what my point is is that I didn't want to go see the next year's Lollapalooza. Sure. I was yeah, like, it seems weird to put Metallica that. on. 96, I guess that's when they made their comeback, so they probably made a big deal to do their comeback on yeah. like the Lollapalooza stage. But again, that's that's back to my point. I wouldn't be cut dead listening to Metallica or Iron Maiden or any of these metalheads. Like That was for metalheads. That was the group over here, and I'm really not saying anything bad about them, but that oh, was... No, I remember you, them. They all had, had long hair. You had to they all had the black band t-shirts. Yeah, you had to pick your group in high oh, yeah. school and like stick to totally. it. Totally. And very that was like, the metalheads, and there was the rappers, and then there was me. <laughs> like <laughs> Indie rock, whatever you want to say. But yeah, like Metallica was not cool. Uh, but they tried to make this comeback that I think made them a little cooler with their new haircuts. And did their, it really? It, it didn't to me, but <laughs> it did to some people. I think they tried. They got, 
you know, the uh, director of Smells 18 Spirit video to do their it, Until It Sleeps video, and they did the whole artsy shit, and it, it didn't really work for them, and people made fun of them, and I don't think that look lasted very long. But anyways, yeah, so they probably, maybe that was the thinking, that maybe they're, now they're a little alternative or something like that, so we can put them on. But they still had all their back material. They had their brand new material, and they would have had to play, you know, Ride the Lightning. <laughs> 96 Lollapalooza. I'm shocked that you did not go to Lollapalooza. No yeah, either. I don't know. What I, other, don't, I, don't really I mean, know we what kind of there. we kind of got dropped up. We kind of got sidetracked talking about Lollapalooza, but uh, what other festivals did people go to? I didn't go to any. Yeah, I wasn't I don't I know what it was. One guy like, who went to Lilith Fair just but to see But were you saying recently what? either Edge Fest or Somersault? Did you go to either yeah. of those? I went to Somersault. Like that was 2000. I guess that was that more was a touring festival put on by Our Lady Peace. But it was a touring festival. It was. It toured across, went from I think yeah. west to east Canada, right? Yeah, I mean that counts. It counts, and that was an amazing lineup for me. Uh, that was Smashing Pumpkins, uh, yeah, Our Lady Peace, um, Foo Fighters. I guess those are the three big ones. And who was before that? Oh, uh, A Perfect Circle. Cool. Yeah, I missed Treble Charger. I got there late because my idiot friend. Uh, idiot yeah. friend. Long story. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Long story getting to a show. I went all the way to about 20 minutes away from that show, stayed the night, and then he said, oh, I got to pick up this girl at Union Station. And I had no concept of Toronto at the time. So I was literally <laughs> like up near the venue, which is like Barry. 50 kilometers, uh, oh, 70 no. kilometers away from Union Station. So we drove to Union Station and then drove back to the concert when we were literally about 20 minutes away from it when we woke up in the morning. So anyways, screw you, Chris. I missed, <laughs> 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 I missed Treble Charger that day. Um, Warp Tour. I went to Warp Tour 2000. Okay. Did you go to? I didn't go to any. You didn't tours. go to any? No, wait. No, sorry. I did. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I went in the Listener, 90s. Listeners. I went, I went to 97 Warp Tour. I was just about to be shocked. Yeah. Jackson Maine claiming. Yeah. The only man I know who... Do you still skateboard? N- not really. But, <laughs> but well into your 30s. I did. I did skate I in my 30s. Seen yeah. with a skateboard. Um, <laughs> this was another thing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you guys both grew up in Toronto, and I grew up in Kingston, which is only two and a half hours away from Toronto, but still seemed light years away. And... Growing up in a major center where all these things just came to, it was way easier to show up. And for me, it just wasn't like that on my radar to go to festivals and shows. It was, I, I, you know, the internet, like the things that we just have like thrown in our face, like the second you wake up in the morning, everything is just reported to you about what's happening. You had to dig when you were a kid. For sure. And Warp Tour was not big. I mean, I went to 97. I think it started in... 95 so maybe went to like the third one it got pretty big by you know late 90s like 99 like when you know like punk and like blink 182 kind of like really pushed like pop punk into the mainstream obviously like green day and offspring did that a little beforehand and like gave that a push so i went to i went to one and then i didn't go i think i was supposed to go in 2000 and i just didn't go i don't know i think a couple of my other buddies went and I was kind of, yeah, I think at that point I was pretty bored of skate punk and everything. Mm. Well, how long is the drive from Kingston to Toronto? I mean, depending on how fast you're driving. I've, <laughs> I think I've done it in under two hours. but like, That's still I was, pretty long. I was because I was about it. to say that like at the time, 
like I was living in Burlington, like uh-huh. a suburb. So, you know, it was still kind of an hour's 45 minute drive to the city. Sure. And then from there going north for something like Lollapalooza or uh-huh. Warp Tour going uh, north into like more cottage country. Right. Yeah. Where the uh, old Molson Park was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess you add like a couple of hours coming in. Yeah, it so it goes tough. from like the difference between like a three-hour drive and a four-hour drive. I was a good kid too, and I just wasn't like disobeying my parents, and they pretty much just said you can't go, and I just said okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's not very like, that's that not was, very punk of you. No, it was not very punk of me at all. So I mean, you know, it just it just was that thing. I was in my Kingston bubble and not coming, even though I knew stuff was happening in Toronto, and I could have done it, but. I didn't even get my license until I was like 18. Like, I wasn't going anywhere. So now, uh, out of out of the city, out of the province, possibly even out of, well, maybe we'll, not necessarily out of the country, but destination festivals. Uh, Anybody? What's that one in Spain? It starts with a P. Oh, uh, Primavera? Primavera. Primavera. That lineup generally seems pretty amazing. Well, I was year. asking like, has anyone been? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. I, I went to, to one to, Pitchfork. I, I went to Pitchfork in 2009. Where's that? In New York? Or Chicago? Chicago. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. But that's it. No. No, I haven't done too much of that. Like, I honestly. Done, for a second, I thought you were going to say you'd been to Primavera. No. Like, no. I thought yeah. you were, I thought you were going to ask, which I would you go, go to? to. Ah. Yeah. So I think, like, Governor's Ball or Primavera would probably be, like, my first few choices. Or even, like, yeah. just to do it, like, Glastonbury or Reading Festival or something. Oh, of course, though. You know, I think I, I, know, know. I know some people who, um, had some friends like in the mid to late two thousands. They went to Coachella. I think they went to a Glastonbury. Those concerts were so huge, and I mean, yeah, Glastonbury I think was massive. Th- those, I mean, you look at, um, yeah, like Lollapaloozas and stuff like that. A lot of those Lollapaloozas, when you see pictures, they were in sort of amphitheaters and stuff like that. We had it at Molson Park. Uh, which you know, what was Marlson Park like? Thirty thousand, I think. Yeah, I don't even know. Right I think about. it could hold about that. That's a lot. If thirty thousand people showed up for Lollapalooza, that would have been incredible. But when you look at those British festivals and see those crowds, oh my God! Yeah. Like Oasis played to two hundred fifty thousand people one night. Right, <laughs> like, that's nuts. It's nuts. Like, it's Sars Sars stack stock or yeah. Sars Vest or whatever it was called. Yeah, the, you when know, the Rolling Stones with four hundred thousand people in one place uh but that's just some of the festivals they have every year in i Europe. know i i nice. can't wrap my head around it and like kind of going back to the prodigy i remember when they were like at their peak when that breathe song was out there was the mtv music awards and they did a live via satellite to them just to like throw them on and they were playing virgin fest in england and they where it was nighttime and they were just kind of flashing lights and they had a couple area sh- aerial shots and i remember i taped that performance and i was looking at it going like i couldn't even wrap my head around how many people were there there was like three hundred thousand people there (laughs) that's great i just want to talk about uh quickly (laughs) touching on the fact that this issue pretty much was was boring and pointless (laughs) and night september 1997 was just none of our uh scenes that spin magazine the cool like you know cool magazine <laughs> music magazine alternative magazine of the 90s had so little content this month they had to do an article on hansen 
and Hanson. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't okay. know what to say. Okay. Obviously, they have publicists. Obviously, they were going to get into music bags. What do you want to say, John? Well, no, I was going to say the same thing about like about whether or not they had to, or whether because it came up. We were talking about Hanson recently, and one of us asked. I don't know if it was me, but it was like, how much of a push were they given? Because it seems like they were kind of given. A really big push. I think we yeah. were looking at the video. We were walking. We were watching the Mbop video. So did you watch that? And I watched it's it too. kind of terrible. Most like of it, it yeah. looks <laughs> like they really just gave them like a hundred dollars in a video camera. That's right. But at the same time, I couldn't help but wonder. Like it made me wonder. Like a couple of things. One, is it really cheap, or is it just 1997? Where 1997, you could spend a hundred thousand dollars on a music video, and it just and it just looks terrible. Yeah. Or and and but when I watched it again for the first time in like 20 years, like I wondered, did the record company know that it was going to be a massive hit or not? I mean, obviously they're hoping that they put a lot of money and effort into this. It seems like when you read that article, they got, you know, rejected a whole bunch of times. Like, it just wasn't the time for Hanson and their syrupy, poppy crap. Um, you know, everything before that, when they were, I think, trying to do it was, you know, Bush X and that that realm. But, uh, yeah, so they did a major push for these guys. They finally got signed. Somehow, they got the Dust Brothers to produce this song, which makes no sense at all how that happened. The, these guys were on top of the world at this point. They were the coolest, hottest producers. They produced one song, and that just seems like when, you know, Steve Albini, they got him to produce Bush, and he just said, yeah, give me a million dollars. And they said, okay. And he said, oh, all right. Like, they just must have drove a dump truck <laughs> up to their house and be like, produce this Hanson song. Okay. So they did that, and all I can hear really is them like scratching records in the background <laughs> trying to make it sound cool it's hilarious and and like i had i had to look up i was like i couldn't believe that the dust brothers produced this song and yeah. I was like if they produced this then what else did they actually produce cuz it sounds like they'll produce anything yeah but no they, no. They, the rest of their catalog is still pretty legit Paul's i know Boutique, you know um like midnight back odelay like Yero, I don't know, like yeah. Rolling Stones, like it's all like pretty legit. But also the music video as well. Oh wait. So I you know, I tried to watch the music video. I probably haven't seen this music video in like twenty years or something yeah, either, right? And um it's it's garbage, but at the same time, like w- could it have been any better? Like could anyone have done a great job at this? Yes. Well the- this is okay. Why I got to bring this up because I looked and we already had this conversation of how bad this music video is. And John, you just mentioned it looks like they just were like, we'll give you a couple hundred bucks and just go for it. And at the bottom of this thing on YouTube, it doesn't say anything about a director, but I was reading in this thing today that they got this, all these hired guns in, they got the Dust Brothers to come in and produce this song and they got Tamara Davis to write, to do this music video. She was like one of the hot music video people in the 90s. She's a film director now. 
how did she screw this up? Because I started looking at the theme of the rest of her of her videos, and it's all like Sonic Youth, and uh, well, I mean, like mainly I'm looking at like Sonic Youth videos. It's all just Sonic Youth and uh, Depeche oh. Mode, Smiths, like but it's Tone Loke, <laughs> but it's all people. Like Sonic Youth just playing in a living room and just like kind of being cool. And there's kind of these cool people hanging out around them. And there's a bit of a little side story of like Jason Lee dying in the 100% video or whatever. That's all she had to do. They literally, this is the same video. It's Hanson playing in a living room and it's just shit. Well, <laughs> it's no, like but then rollerblading after that. All they had to do is get a bunch of other high school kids to be hanging out around while they're playing in a, but in that, a video. In the living room, and it would have been the same. I don't <laughs> well, think that's, that's actually vibe. funny because you mentioned I didn't think about the connection to the hundred uh, percent video um, because it's like them in a living room playing, and then the rest of it's them, like you say, like rollerblading. Are they yeah. skateboarding? They are but, not skateboarding. Okay, but it's like them all out <laughs> in the street. It's basically the one hundred percent video. Yeah, only and then, like, and then they're just like keeping <laughs> back of like green screens on the moon and. Shit. <laughs> it other, just looks like a grade eight video project. But the other thing too about it is that like we're all saying that it looks terrible, but at the same time it's like, was it on purpose? Because it is yeah, you're right. fun in a stupid way. And if you think like who they were probably trying to market, because especially if yes. you compare, like we're talking about the hundred percent video where it's like it's got to be cool. So you've got Sonic Youth just standing there playing. There, it's like a house. It's probably California or something, yeah. and like there's just people hanging around. I think Mike Watts chilling in the yeah, background. I think so. And then you're um, uh, juxtaposing that, cutting from that to like black and white footage filmed by Spike Jones of yeah. him and and Jason Lee back when he was a pro skateboarder. Yep. Like it's, it's just cool like it's the height of cool yeah whereas this is almost like the same thing only it's like look at us we're fun and goofy i know it's true but I it's mean, who they're like targeting it sense. who are they targeting it does though? make sense they're, ta the they're targeting like a like a female teenage audience right i know so that's like okay tamra davis like uh we're gonna give you a truckload of money make yeah. sure that you know 13 year old girls fall in love with these three boys yeah yeah, much. these three harmless, and they're like, they're yeah. like you know we we think it's the lamest video in the world, but you know like <laughs> non-threatening. Yeah. Call the Corey Hotline. <laughs> yeah, jeez. So did she I, screw it up or did she nail it? I think she probably. Wow, I think she nailed it for the demographic. Yeah. Like, honestly, I think that she nailed it exactly for the demographic and for everyone else. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I think you're I think you're both right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think this could have been saved so easily, just just a little bit more effort, because it, it literally felt looks like this was filmed all in one day. Like <laughs> there was like just we've got this much time. Go play a couple times. If we're gonna get some some shots in your house of you playing, then we're gonna go to the beach. Then for some reason they take a cab to the bus <laughs> and then get on the bus to the beach, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. Uh, wow. Just, oh my god. And I just, you know what's funny is that, like, a little bit off, but I just read the Beastie Boys book, and they're talking about making the Sabotage video and how these guys had done, like, just everything DIY their entire careers. And 
when they went to do the sabotage video, they went to a production company and they priced it out at eighty five thousand. And the BC boys were like, "What are you talking about? Eighty five thousand? There's no way we're gonna spend that." And they like budgeted everything down to thirty five thousand and did like everything in that video without permits. Totally good. <laughs> like they didn't they didn't follow any rules whatsoever. Good for them. I know it was amazing. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Okay, last but not What's least, one in the who do you charts? think is number one in the charts? September 97. I'm going to go for seven, seven okay. this time, because <laughs> number seven is amazing. And I actually, this was a big song, and it was stupid, but I actually didn't really think it charted. Okay, hold on a second. Albums or songs? Uh Oh, shit. I know. Go. I think I'm actually on... Oh. Oh damn! I mean, if you can do either, you can switch uh, it up. I'm just gonna do this. This, who cares? But what? I, I, I'm just gonna do uh, singles. Okay, so I've this already, is songs. I've already pulled it up. Okay, fine. But so, yeah. I just want to establish for our yeah. sake. Okay. okay, it's songs. Okay. So number seven, Barbie Girl by Aqua. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Lenny. Like Ninety-seven. Yeah. yeah. That was. <laughs> no one it's says funny, anything. Like if somebody, well, it's, I've actually heard that song at karaoke more than once in the past couple of years. But if someone asked me when it came out, I probably would have guessed like '99 or 2000. Yeah, I would have thought it would be later too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. You know they still tour, right? I'm yeah, not, they, they were do. here. Oh yeah. Are they coming this year or were they here last year? Wasn't it like year? them in O Town? And I Prozac? think they were here last year. <laughs> yes. There's a different uh nineties tour this summer with yeah, like vanilla ice and equally as bad other people that I other oh, terrible people okay, didn't look at. So number Barbie six, girl. I always like this song. Semi Charm kind of life. Yeah, third third eye blind. blind. Yeah, yeah. Come on, how you know, can I, I not like you know this what? song? I, d- I didn't oh, own that so record, bad. but I did listen to that record. Yeah, I didn't. You know, and it wasn't offensive to me. It was just like, it's it's like, it's pleasant. I laugh, my laugh was not a laugh of mockery. <laughs> it was a laugh of like semi-charm kind uh, of life. I have a semi-charm today. Um, yeah, no, I, I never owned this record. And I'm sure at the time I was not listening to this band and probably mocking them. But uh, now they've grown on me through the years i think if like i was listening to fm and a song came on i'd be like okay now okay you know? i don't want to start a big thing you want to derail this but, but yes. i always get confused to this day i still don't know that's not the band that rob thomas was in right no that's no, matchbook that's matchbox matchbox 20, matchbox 20. <laughs> matchbook 20 matchbox 20 yeah yeah the other three namer name from the 90s I have they actually I have sound not, radically different i have not been and able i don't to want to defend <laughs> either band <laughs> i know they do i know they do but for some reason i haven't been able to tell those two bands straight for 20 years no i i you'll get it one day no i completely agree john <laughs> i would i think i would make the exact same mistake number five and I looked at this because, okay. <laughs> Number five, How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. So I thought, because I knew this was a big movie soundtrack song, and I looked it up and I was like, oh, I just got to tip this in. It's Armageddon, isn't it? But no, it's on the Con Air soundtrack. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Time the to rewatch Con, Con Air. Air when, he, wow. when he's finally reunited with his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Time to rewatch. Rewatch Con Air, that. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting into the dregs. Um, number four. This is super friggin' obvious. To become one by the Spice Girls. Wow. Yeah. Big track. Yeah. It 
it's really catchy. <laughs> yeah. Number. <laughs> 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 Number three, I'll be missing you, Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. Yeah, Zero I can't reaction. even remember how it goes. I'll be missing you with the police. Yeah, obviously it's beat. like to like, right. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Big no, it was that. it was big at the time. Oh, obviously, yeah. well, there's actually yeah. it's in this issue. There's there's a whole yeah. there's a page interviewing. Uh, Puff, Puff Daddy. Daddy about how he's how much he's not over Biggie's death. Yeah, this was, right. uh, and I gotta say, this was this was an, another major transition in music. Hip hop was not super mainstream, and this was what I think made it like really blast off. Like this album, like th- like this was again like we were going from like alt rock. Hip hop was still pretty underlined. Um, you know, like obviously there was huge albums, but you know, and there was. Uh, like a lot of money behind it, but like this is when I think it was really starting to blast off. Like 97, 98, this was the, the start of that. We're mainstream hip hop, right? Yeah, like, pretty I think much, yeah. Puff Daddy exactly. really did that. Yeah, that's what he is. I agree. And Mace, because. Yeah, well, I mean, he was right, th- <laughs> right there with him. Yeah, what's Mace up to right now? I think he's religious now. I think he came back like two years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think he's like an ordained minister. Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, number two. Quit playing games with my heart, Backstreet Boys. Wow. Yeah. This is where we're at in 1997. Is When did, like, Backstreet Boys have their first single? So, this is what I looked up today, because we I'm looking at Spice Girls, and I'm looking at Backstreet Boys, and I thought it was right now. I thought it was 97, um, a little earlier in 97, like the winter of 97, but it was actually, like, the winter of 96. Mm. So, I... Thought I was confusing some grades up there. Uh, I thought it was grade ten for me, and remembering that, and right. specifically saying because they almost came out at the exact same time, Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys. And of course, at this point, I'm like massively into alt rock and all this stuff, and going, "This is never gonna fly. This is never gonna last at all." How wrong I was. So, what was the last one you did? Number. Okay, last you- number two was Quit Playing Games With My Heart by the Backstreet okay, Boys. Okay, so we're at one. We're at one. Okay, so... Uh, who's number one? Who's number one? Who's uh, number one? Okay. September 1997. So, uh... This is a... Lo- looking at this list is a pretty good... A lot of clues here. It's so, pretty good solo indicator. artist or, like, group? Solo artist. Male or female? Male. Were they mentioned in the magazine? Uh, <laughs> sort of. I mean, yes, they were mentioned in the magazine. They weren't featured, but they were mentioned. Okay. He's John kind of already brought this up during this segment. Okay. What's so? Yeah. Number four to 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 become one Spice Girls. I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy. Quit playing games with my heart. Number one. Want to know? Mo money, mo problems. Notorious B.I.G. Oh yeah, I, I dig it. I, I'm I'm all over that. Like, yeah, like I said, Mace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've got I'll be missing you, and then we've got Mo money. I honestly still play uh, Mo money, mo problems every once in a while. I really like. That I song. I would not fault you for that. Yeah, it's an excellent. That's a good, song. That's a good track. It's good so sample. Much fun. Great track. Good danceable song. And that's it. <laughs> I don't think we need to talk about September '97 ever again. Let's. <laughs> 
Let's ever strike it from our memory. Good thing we didn't document it in any way. And move on. Any parting words from 1997? Good riddance. Yeah, <laughs> peace out. I thought it would be better. <laughs> I thought it would be better, but it just it just wasn't. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.